Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Darkest Hour. I'm your host, Amanda Jane. Have you ever witnessed something terrible? Or maybe just seen something that you couldn't unsee? It can take a toll on you, carrying that memory around, that visual. And sometimes it's simply too much to handle, and we block it from our minds. Or our brain does that for us. So, tucked away, those memories stay. But not always, and not forever. And suddenly, you're faced with that dark recall of events. If you're lucky, it's short-lived and easily pushed back into the far corners of your mind. Again. And if you're unlucky, well, you may find yourself right where you started so long ago, trying to forget all over again. Tonight, we'll hear stories from individuals who may wish that they could forget these events, but instead, they've agreed to share them with us. So, let's get started, shall we? This is yet another long story, but probably my second scariest experience I've ever had. I'll get to posting my scariest when I have time, but this one takes place during my high school years, living in an apartment in Hawaii. One evening, preparing to go out to the park next to the apartments and relax myself, I'm standing by my window. My window is faced out towards the mountains and highway. I also happen to share a wall with the bathroom and was facing the very way the bathroom window faced. It was also where the AC unit was located. So I'm standing in front of my window, freezing myself in preparation to face the humid Hawaii weather, just feeling happy and ready to go downstairs. I loved the view from that window. I loved looking out into the mountains and down the walls, just admiring the height. It was one of the original reasons I wanted to live there. I love height. I love the sensation of strong winds. I love being able to scope out the world from up high and all the possibilities of the day. So I'm just admiring the view, looking down to see the sheer drop of the wall that ended in the walkway to the connected parking garage. When I see her, clear as day and as awkward as a newborn fowl, it's a woman pale-skinned and very, very long, thick black hair. She's moving disjointedly up the wall, as though confused on how to use her own limbs. I'm thinking, what the fuck is wrong with her? And it doesn't even register to me just yet the fact that this is not a woman on the ground, drunkenly flailing around at the wall trying to get a grip. This is a woman actually standing on the wall of the apartment, staggering around, trying to get her bearings. When I realize this, a shiver runs down my back, remembering the weird, jittery way she moved still gives me goosebumps. I just had to look out my work's break room window to confirm I'm safe and that it's daylight. 
Anyway, I realized this was not even remotely normal. As if sensing my thoughts, this woman abruptly stops her movements. Her body turns, and what might have been a head snaps up to look at me. I don't remember a face, only a mass of black hair, and as if she'd remembered how to use her limbs, she's suddenly spider-crawling up the wall at speeds not physically possible, charging towards my window on the 22nd floor. In a panic, without even bothering to turn on any of my lights, I simply grab my curtains and throw them over the window. Everything in my room is dark now. I can't see, but as I figure, she can't see me either. I am panting. I hear nothing. My AC is still whirling away. Maybe it was my imagination. Though I gather my courage, pick up my metaphorical piss-soaked panties and put them on, and peek out the curtain. Gone. She's got... screaming. And before I can really process it, I see that same woman screaming, falling from the roof. She's hurtling toward the concrete floor where a couple are located walking in from the parking lot. I see no reaction from the couple in regards to this screaming woman about to splatter them when she simply disappears. I slam my curtains shut again, and I kept them that way ever since. I would get very upset if someone opened them to the point of leaving the room until they were drawn again. It took years for me to be comfortable in a room with curtains open during the daylight, and I still can't sleep in a room unless all the curtains are drawn closed. to a remodeled schoolhouse in Oregon, USA, when I was three or four years old, and I grew up in this house. Original schoolhouse was built in 1870, when Oregon was a legit frontier. The original settlers owned the mountain, meaning most of the residents could track their lineage to the original settlers. We were very much outsiders. The original schoolhouse burned down twice in its original location, which was about a fourth a mile from the new schoolhouse, which was built in the 1920s. The original location is also where the community graveyard is. My bedroom was the original boys' dressing room in the school. When you walked out of my room, you would walk onto a stage, which had been converted to a living room. There were some instances that were pretty odd, but we'll just start with this. The house had a real bad vibe. There are particular areas that it felt like someone was sneaking up behind you or chasing you. What really traumatized me was the dreams. I remember three in particular that were very strange. One, I had a bad dream and went into my parents' room. I just remember being upset 
They put a sleeping bag at the bottom of the bed. As I was in the sleeping bag, I started to feel pinching coming from under me. It didn't say that it was the devil, but I fucking knew it was. It said to me, Your parents can't protect you from me. In a voice that again was pure evil. When I was 13, my parents remodeled my room, and we had hardwood floors. When they remodeled, they noticed floor access to under the house, in my closet. In other words, there was a trap door in my closet. Of course, I'm interested. Open it up, look in there, and go to sleep. I wake up in a dream where I'm in the fetal position in my closet and I'm just hearing a terrible, terrible noise. I'm scared to look up. It's like if you've ever seen someone gasping for air. That's the best way I can describe it. It's a deep, disturbing, grunting noise. I peer up to look and see what it is and I see a man with hair, long and blonde, looked like Kurt Cobain. His head was looking at his toes, so I couldn't really see his face. It was covered in wet hair. He soaked. Leather jacket, logging clothes. He was holding an axe in one hand, looking at his feet, making this god-awful noise. It really fucked me up. Did I mention this was an old logging community? Well, last dream I had was a great one, but very strange. My grandma passed, and a couple days later, I had the most lucid dream I've had in my life. It was simply my grandmother holding me by both shoulders, saying, Take care of your mom, over and over again. Later in my life, the advice had great relevance. Unsure if anyone will find this interesting, but I can pretty well assume some really bad stuff happened in that schoolhouse. There were also doors and entrances to the attic that were boarded up and made into walls. Considering most families inbred up there at the time, just get the feeling that there was some pretty foul shit that happened, especially in the frontier days. This story begins about six years ago, after the peak of paranormal activity started to die out. It started with random noises, which weren't really too out of the ordinary, so we ignored it. But it began getting more intense when we began hearing the front door closing and loud footsteps leading up and down the staircase. Technological glitches began happening the TV randomly turning off or a light flickering. My new Xbox experienced glitches after bringing it home for the first time. Nothing too strange. But things began getting even weirder. Me and my family had been on vacation 
and when we got home, everything seemed normal, except one thing. There were handprints and tiny footprints littered across the TV screen, imprinted into the random, thick layer of dust. We'd only been gone for about a week, but the dust across the TV and cabinet made it seem as though we'd been gone for at least a month. There were two huge handprints, much larger than the average male hands. My hand could easily fit its palm alone. The fingers appeared to be broken, going off in strange directions. The other prints were even more strange. Two small footprints accompanied by just as small handprints. We all stood in the living room for a few minutes, staring at the prints trying to make sense of it. But we couldn't. My mother eventually wiped the dust away, and the terrifying prints eventually slipped our minds. This was the first encounter we had with Mac. And for a while, things seemed to be okay. But then I got home one day from school, and I got into the shower. When I was about to get out, I heard the front door open and close, and loud work boots stomping up the stairs and heading into the kitchen. I had assumed my father had gotten home and said hi as I walked into my room. After getting dressed, I walked about trying to find my father, but he was nowhere in sight, nowhere in the house. And when I went to check outside, the front door, it was still locked from when I got home. I gave up my search, assuming that he just needed to grab something. But as soon as I began to relax... I heard his truck backing up in the driveway. I walked outside and jokingly said, Leave something at work? He just looked at me confused and asked what I was talking about. So I said, You just came home a few minutes ago. I heard you walking up the stairs, and then you were just gone. He informed me that he had not been home since this morning. Thinking back to when I heard the door open... I hadn't heard his very loud truck pull up, and I didn't hear anyone leave. This happened a few more times, and there were a few times I got home or was relaxing, only to find the front door was wide open. This continued for weeks, and then I finally saw him. I was home alone one night, sitting in the living room, watching my shows when the TV began acting out. I assumed the antennas were messed up, so when I went to adjust them, I saw him standing at the end of the hallway, out of the corner of my eye. He was tall, almost reaching the ceiling. He had a top hat on his head, and he wore black pants, a white button-down shirt, and what looked like a black vest. And then... In an instant, he was gone. I adjusted the TV, and the rest of the night was normal. From then on, everything kind of just went on the same. The footsteps, the door opening and closing, the lights flickering. And every great now and then, a stray handprint of his was found about the house. But mostly... Anytime we brought in any new electronics or strange items, he 
he'd feel the need to mess with it, test it out, and see how it ran until he could understand it. Usually it only took him a few weeks, and he never touched it again. So, this is the story of how I became to know Mac, the tall, broken man. Back when I was 10 years old, I had a strong fever that corrupted my body, and I became very ill. When I get sick, I don't like to sleep in my bed. Instead, I gather my blankets and pillows and fall asleep on the floor. One day, my parents came in to check on me, to see whether I was doing good or not. Suddenly, a tall man, wearing pure dark clothing, covering his whole body, was walking slowly in the hallway. My bedroom door was open. I couldn't see his hands, his feet, or face, but he looked old by the way of his back and his walk. To me, back then, he was very scary. He didn't make a single noise, nor was I able to hear his footsteps. Our house was very quiet and clean, and I could see everything clearly. He almost looked like he was floating above the ground, but walking at the same time. I was totally shocked. He walked all the way to my parents' room at the end of the hallway. The moment that he was at the front of my parents' bedroom door, I told my parents, who were standing next to me, looking down at me. I told them, turn around and look at the strange man entering your room. As they turned their heads... They saw absolutely nothing, and my dad told me, relax, it's just the fever that makes you hallucinate and see unreal things. I was like, okay, yeah, you're right, daddy, I'm just seeing things. As time passed, I almost forgot about that weird incident and didn't care about it at all, but there's still a part of me that believes in the shit that I saw when I was young. This is my first submission to your channel. My uncle told me a story once that really creeped me out. I also fact-checked it with my dad as he's my uncle's brother and apparently witnessed all this mess go down too, but decided not to glorify it as a badge of pride like my uncle did. He was also more than a little bit pissed at his brother for sharing such a horrific story with me. I was just in primary school at the time. My dad's genuine irritation alone was enough to squash any doubt that I had. Alright, here we go. When they were in middle school, they were riding their bikes home from class on an afternoon like any other day. 
Lately, every day on their route, they'd pass by an apartment unit that was being built. Just plywood foundations and glass windows. A three-story shell of what it would eventually be. There was always at least seven to ten construction workers at a time putting in work on the property. The sidewalk was closed on the corner due to this construction. So my uncle and dad would have to get off their bikes to cross the street at the crosswalk, then cross the street again to become parallel with the direction they were originally going. Like an L-shape, putting the building under construction across the street from them as they continued. But on the day my uncle refers to in his story, there was a construction worker standing on the sidewalk that they were walking towards, across from the building being built. The whole time they're approaching, he's staring at them, almost to the point where they're thinking that he's going to tell them that both sidewalks are closed now, or something, bouncing serious direct eye contact between them every couple of seconds, until they finally reach the side that he's on. Now, this is when my dad plays a significant role in the story because him, being as my uncle described, a little hellion growing up, says to the construction worker, Can we walk here or are you just trying to eye-fuck me? The construction worker maintains eye contact, but doesn't get mad or even flinch at the vulgarity being thrown his way, which my uncle says caught them both off guard. The man simply laughed and replied, No, but watch this, pointing across the street at the unit under construction. My dad and uncle are trying to figure out what specifically he's pointing at when they hear glass shatter from the third floor across the street. A window being installed has broken, and my uncle and father watch as a four to five foot piece of glass comes hurling down and straight into another construction worker's chest. The force takes him backwards, off his feet, and for a brief moment, being propped up by the impaled glass until the shards crumble, allowing his body to collapse in the gravel. The blood spray looked like graffiti across the new plywood exterior of the building, my uncle recalled, and a pool instantly gathered beneath him. The construction workers all dropped their tools. Some began shouting call 911 and running for the closest available open business for a landline. Most men surrounding the body stopped short of the circular red border that encompassed their motionless co-worker. All of them in a panicked disbelief. Some are unable to see the carnage and turn away, but remain circled almost to protect the public from viewing its horror. Unfortunately, my dad and uncle got to see it happen from start to finish. No amount of crowd coverage could block out the image from their mind. Both of them, in shock at what they saw, get back on their bikes and pedal away as hard as their legs can push them. My dad kept looking back and shouting, Oh my God, I can't believe that just happened. My uncle said he personally couldn't turn around and look again and was shouting at my dad to stop turning around. The company cleaned up the incident 
and they were back to work the next week. But riding down that street every day, my uncle said he couldn't. He kept replaying what he saw in his head. My dad's coping mechanism was to completely block it out and to not talk about it. Eventually, they found a different route to school and home. Agreeing an extra four blocks was worth it not to pass that area anymore. Later, while I fact-checked this wild story with my dad, I asked, Why did you keep turning around to look when Uncle Joey was yelling at you? And he says, At first, he did look back to see the accident. But in doing so, he also saw the same construction worker that had initially stopped them, still staring at them as they rode away. My dad even did a double take, thinking, yep, that guy didn't move at all. He didn't go check on his fallen co-worker. On his last glance before turning out of view, the guy was still in the same place across the street. Hearing these accounts all together, out of pure empathy, I don't make my father retell it. I did ask him to drive me by it once, and he said that so much has changed in that town, I don't think I remember where it is. Meaning, no thank you. So, that's where this story ends. Did seeing that alter my dad's timeline? I'm sure seeing anything insane like that would affect someone in some way, right? Should I keep talking to him about it? Is this a repression that needs expelling further? Or should I leave it be? I wouldn't want my dad to have some PTSD breakdown. But I'm also curious if he'd feel lighter just talking about it from start to finish. His version. Rather than fill in my uncle's rendition. Your thoughts are eagerly awaited. This isn't a spooky story, and probably pretty tame compared to some of these wild stories on here, but it's definitely a ghost encounter. Many years ago, my parents got divorced, after my mom went and bought a house and I moved in with her. At this point in life, I was about 12 years old. My mom bought the house from an elderly couple who couldn't live alone anymore and were headed to a nursing home after the sale of the home went through. My mom shows up to the settlement and all the paperwork gets signed, officially making the house my mom's. After the signing, the old couple, sellers, and my mom were sitting at the table, talking about the house, and the old woman casually says, Just so you know, we think our son Daniel still lives in the house and has never left. Now, it's unclear if he died in the house or just came back to stay with his elderly parents. My mom was totally sketched out by this. Fast forward a few weeks... The second floor was completely unfinished. My older brother was in a trade high school, and as his senior project, he was framing out the second floor, doing the wiring, sheetrock, etc. One night, while there by himself, he was upstairs working, with the bedroom door closed and his music on. 
out of nowhere. He said the handle did about a half turn, and the door, very slowly, opened to about 25%. He ran out of the house and had my other brother come pick him up. This was the first experience. About six months later, he was in a bad car crash and was lucky to be alive. After many surgeries and time in the ICU, he was sent home to recover and was in a bed-slash-wheelchair for six months with very limited movement. He and his friends have many stories of what sounded like silverware dropping into the metal kitchen sink or a frisbee just rolling across the room, etc. But never violent. Now, for my experience... You need to know the basic layout of the house first. On the first floor, there were two hallways in the house that formed a big L shape. My room was at the end of the short leg of the L, and the kitchen was at the end of the long leg of the L. Standing at the island in the kitchen gave you a perfect view directly down the long hallway to the intersection of where both hallways met. At that intersection was the bedroom door to my mom's room. There was also a pretty bright hall light at the intersection. One night, I was on a video game binge in my room. Honestly, I'd say five straight hours of playing without getting out of my chair, not even to go to the bathroom. While playing, I saw something out of the corner of my eye in the intersection of the two hallways. It looked like a moving shadow and pretty tall. I looked over and after a few seconds, I dismissed it as being our cat. The height discrepancy didn't make sense, but I wasn't too worried. I started playing again, and a minute later, I saw movement again. This time I stopped and looked for a bit longer, focused on where I saw movement. And boom, nothing. I go back to playing for a few minutes, and I see movement again. No way this is my cat at this point. This time, I won't break my line of sight from the hallway. All of a sudden, I hear my mom saying, Kyle, Kyle, what are you doing? She comes speed walking down the long hallway from the kitchen and turns toward her room. But the door was closed, as she always left it. She looked confused, turned around and surprisingly saw me sitting in the chair in my bedroom. She asked, Did you just go into my room? It's just so weird. We both saw the same shadow in the same spot at the same time. Over the next years, we had so many small, unexplainable sounds. Thumps, or out of the corner of your eye sightings. He was never violent, thankfully, or vocal, but it was always an ominous feeling. However, my mom was very unbothered by him and used to openly talk to him and just ask how he was doing, I guess to be friendly with him. One day, my mom decided to try and help him. She said out loud, Daniel, I'm going to where your parents went. If you want to see them, come with us in the car. 
We then got ready and got into the car. The nursing home where they went after they sold the house was only a five-minute drive from the house. My mom announced every turn and road name. I'm making a left onto Trenton Road. Turn by turn, she gave directions out loud, and when we got to the nursing home, she said, This is where they are, but I don't know what room they are in. We waited a minute and headed back home. And we never really saw anything definite again. I mean, we would hear something every once in a while, but that could be pipes, or a tree, or the neighbors. But nothing that was ever a definite ghost. Well, friends, it appears we've reached the end of the darkest hour. But thank you so much for joining me, and thank you to everyone who shared their stories. Be sure to join me every Friday night right here on the Darkest Hour YouTube. And if you love the Darkest Hour, and you never want it to end, be sure to hit that subscribe button and tell all your friends. Do you have stories like these? I'd love to share them. Send them to me, amandadarkesthour at gmail.com, or visit our subreddit, The Darkest Hour, YT. Stay spooky.